More than ever, we are in need to share the gospel. And Church at the Mill can't wait to do that with you in this podcast series, where we talk about who we are as a church and what we value. Join us for this spiritual and financial journey more than ever. Hey, welcome back to the More Than Ever podcast. I'm your host and senior pastor of Church at the Mill, DJ Horton, and I'm really excited about today's topic. If you're new to the podcast, uh, perhaps someone's recommended it to you. This is just a series of casual conversations with some pretty special folks really around a journey our church is on right now called More Than Ever. Uh, If you're a part of Church at the Mill, it's not the first time you've heard those three words put together. It's pretty much all we're talking about right now, and that's coming up on a real uh, conclusion Sunday here in a couple of weeks where our church is rallying behind our vision and making some financial and spiritual commitments to our future. But anytime you do that, you really better make it about vision. So it's given us an opportunity to just talk about not only what makes us who we are at Church at the Mill, but also uh, where we're going as a church. I learned a long time ago that people can rally for short periods of time around a project or a task, but people really give and serve and and get excited about vision. And of course, we want to match God's vision for the nations. And so more than ever has given us an opportunity to pull the curtain back on our vision and ask some hard questions about not just what we do as a church to gather, to grow, to give, to go, but to ask some hard questions about why we do it. And one of the ways we've done that is by just taking some time to articulate very clearly what we value. And today, we're going to talk about, I think, one of my most favorite values in our church. So the vision of Church of the Mill is to become a deeply faithful, remarkably healthy, highly impactful, multi-site church. And the value that really drives that remarkably healthy and deeply faithful portion of our vision, we express this way. We value the growth of God in us. Therefore, we disciple, desiring every member to mature in Christ. Now, to talk about that today, you might think, oh, he's going to bring in some specialist or experts on spiritual maturity. Well, actually, it's even better than that. I handpicked two church members, a man and a woman, who've come to mean so much to me. They've been a source of encouragement. They're not necessarily connected to one another, other than the fact that they're a brother and sister in the faith, but they connect to me, and they were some of the first people I thought about when I thought about the relationship between church membership, the direction of our church, vision, and spiritual growth around a deep and abiding commitment to the Word of God. So I want to take a minute and introduce them. Uh, Graham, would you go first? Yes, my name is Graham Hanks. Um, I have been at Church in the Mill since 2018 with my husband, Tony. Wow. And we have two girls. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner, and we're in a small group on Wednesday nights. Um, I keep the kids on Sunday mornings. Thank you. Occasionally, and Mm -hmm. um, my husband serves as an usher. That's awesome. Since 2018? Yes, I think it's about that time. About five years. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Did you grow up here in the upstate? I did. I am from Spartanburg. Well, more this area. So Really? Yeah. And did you come to faith as a young woman, as a girl in your home? I know you were raised by Christian parents. I did in the fourth grade. 
Fourth grade. Yep. Came to the Lord. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for and with, having me. And with Graham today is Jared. Jared, tell us about yourself. Yeah, Jared Hinkle. Um, my wife, Jennifer, we started in the church in 2020 mm-hmm. during the great pandemic. And um, mm-hmm. this was got captured by the teaching of the word. And so God led us here. We have three children, um, Ethan, Emily, and Austin. Yeah. Um, both uh, older two actually attend here as well. Yeah. And, uh, growing and thriving. And uh, I'm in sales, packaging, um, but I also do side business with motorcycles. It ha- actually helps fund some uh, other ministries that we support. So it's uh, super cool. Cool. I-, I didn't know that. I knew about the ministry. I don't know that I knew about the motorcycles. You know, Pastor Appreciation Month is this month. <laughs> I, I, although I will tell you, based on my uh, accident-prone uh, personality trait, there's no motorcycle I, in my future. I right usually now. have to go through the wives. I get it. I That's get it. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. My, my dad had them. I had them. My sons, I had them in dirt bikes for a while, but they would ride them one day and the next day I'd work on them. And then they ride them. <laughs> and I'm not a mechanic. So one day down the road, when less people depend on me to feed them, I might have one, but it's, it's, it's down the road. Give me a call. Jared, Graham, I thought about you too because. You know, when you pastor, you, you know, one of the, most, the greatest joys of pastoring is the people you pastor. If you don't love and enjoy people, you, you probably ought to pick a different profession. And I think when God calls you to pastor, he gives you a love, a love for people. Doesn't mean you don't fail people, you don't make mistakes. I mean, good gracious, if I had a nickel for every mistake I made, I don't know that we'd have to raise any money. Uh, we may be debt-free, but I just, I've always enjoyed people. But the people that inspire me are those people that uh, are living their life, uh, in the membership, but they have a deep and abiding faith in the Lord that's growing. And we know that spiritual growth um, is often assumed, but in many churches, it it is not prioritized. You know, recently I preached a sermon about that and, and just reminded our whole church that we don't want to grow campuses, grow cash, grow crowds. We want to grow a church. But the only biblical way to grow a church is to grow Christians. And when we talk about growing Christians, we don't mean physically. I don't need any help growing my waistline physically. I'm pretty good at that. But we're talking about growing spiritually. So before we dive in deep, when you think about your journey as a Christian who takes spiritual growth seriously, how did that begin for you, Jared? Six years ago, uh, my life literally changed. Um, with uh, being asked to come into a group, it was mentoring, actually. It was called mm. radical mentoring. Yeah. And the word radical really captivated me, and the Spirit of God allowed that to captivate me. Yeah. And so I came into a small knit group and uh, got challenged in, on multiple fronts, um, becoming known, auth- authenticity. Um, and But a big portion of that was being in the Word of God every single day. And yeah. uh, when I first heard that, that was kind of a pushback in my heart because I was like, man, that's a that's an unbelievable commitment. That you're Seven days a week. And... Uh, and um, but Lord literally cap- has captivated me with that that I can't imagine not being in the Word every day uh, in the week. So I love the way you answered that. Let me back up and ask a question. Six years ago, so if you don't mind me telling me, how old were you then? Uh, forty eight, forty seven. Yeah. So yeah. before that, obviously, if I had met you when you were forty five, you were a Christian. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. what's the difference? Uh, Jared's known now. Um, I was not known, so I, I just was. Uh, I was living with the mask, and that mask was absorbing all the love. And Jared inside was uh, captivated in his own selfish ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was a it was an unbelievable act of mercy by God to yeah. bring me to this state. And now I get to pour into others through uh, Make War Ministry, and yeah, um, I love that. It's ministry. my biggest. It's my biggest joy. It yeah, really is. 
Yeah, we're going to come back and talk about that in just a little bit. Graham, obviously, young lady, I know I happen to know your parents, happen to be their pastor as well, tremendous family. We kind of like your sister too. Uh, <laughs> shout out there. But, uh, but you know, so, so you and I both grew up in Christian homes, great head start, wonderful people, love the Lord. I know you have a deep and abiding uh, great relationship with your parents now. So when you when you think about that, though, when did spiritual growth take off in your life? Well, I did grow up in a in a church, um, you know, and my my parents loved the Lord. And I would say after college, I was in a relationship, and um, it the the other person in the relationship really questioned my faith and asked me, you know, why it is that you believe what you believe. Mm. And um, up until that point, I really, you know, I had done little Bible studies here and there, sure. but I wasn't really spending time in the Word every day. And so I didn't know, I didn't know the Word. And yeah. um, so I decided at that point, um, if if I'm going to say that I believe in Jesus, which I do, then I want to know what His Word says. And I want to have an answer for, yeah. you know, why it is that I believe what I believe. And so yeah. that's really what... Um, started my journey. And, you know, it's definitely not something that I've been perfect at every day, but mm-hmm. I see the I see the fruit that comes from spending time with Jesus and His Word every day. Take me to the next step. Step one was being challenged and realizing, okay, I've, I've been given this great Christian bubble that I grew up in, and, 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 and you definitely were saved. You were a born-again Christian when this person challenged you. But then you kind of came to the realization— I, I got to go deeper. Mm-hmm. Was that intimidating to know how to start? Like what helped you start as a young woman? Because you would have been college age, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Mm-hmm. So, so 19, 20, 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old. What helped you start that journey of being in the Word consistently and growing spiritually? Um, I would say coffee. <laughs> you know what? I think it's one of God's greatest gifts. In fact, I have six children Mm, I might trade at least three of them for coffee. If you ask me to choose, I may go coffee. <laughs> oh, my husband would say I like it too much. But, yeah. um, I mean, it, it was definitely the Lord in my life that was um, pushing me in that direction. But there there were so many days in the very beginning that I really did struggle. But yeah. um, I would wake up in the morning because I knew that that was going to be my best time. I knew that that was when I was going to be able to give the Lord yes. um, my undivided attention. And I would drink um, a cup of coffee, and there would be times when I felt like I was going to fall asleep, or after I read it, I was like, I just don't, I don't even remember what I read, you know. Right. But it's something that you know you could just kind of um, get into a rhythm of That's doing right. that. And Discipline. now, right, and now it's um, it's something that I love. I look forward to, you know, when I lay my head down at night, I look forward to being able to wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, or for somebody else, you know, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. your tea or. Coke. <laughs> yeah, any non-alcoholic choice. Right, but just um, spending that time with Jesus and um, just being able to start start your day with that relationship. And yeah. so, um, yeah, there's been times that it's, it's definitely been difficult, especially, um, you know, when you have children and, mm. you know, a new mom, you know, that can be a struggle. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just something that I've, I've definitely seen fruit from. I want to circle back to that discussion about the mom. But before I do, Jared, you know, for you— you, you mentioned that moment, and in the moment you said that moment, I could tell that that moment comes with a great deal of emotion because of what God's mercy and kindness delivered you from. But you also mentioned it was a group of guys. Yeah. To talk about, I know you could talk about it for hours, but the relationship between three things, spiritual growth, your relationship to the Bible, 
and the role other men played in that? Yeah, I think uh, discipleship is a natural accountability um, that mm. gets framed that way. Um, you know, being a disciple, definition-wise, is you're following Jesus Christ, right? That's right. And so in and through that, um, what I think one of the greatest lessons that any person that calls himself a believer, if they could realize this early on, that you cannot do life alone mm. um, in any category, really. Mm. Um, and, and especially in your spiritual journey, because you have all these different life scenes that come into your day every day, and they're challenging because you're trying to frame your identity as a man, a person, someone with a, potentially a skill set. Yeah. And then you're also trying to identify yourself as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and so with that comes, you know, honestly, humility, right? I mean, I mean, when you say, hey, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes people think of that as a natural weakness. Yeah. And it, and it, it transfers into... That's my greatest asset <laughs> yeah. that I can walk into any life scene. And so that adaptability of, of realizing that, man, I can't do this alone. And if I can surround myself with a group of other Christ followers yeah. and that we're holding to the standard of the word of God and we're actually trusting God in these life scenes, mm. um, that's when God really becomes a personal God. I love that so much because I think so often in, in the world that I grew up in, Anything we want to tackle, we tackle it with a program and a curriculum. I'm not a, certainly not against program. I'm, I'm the senior pastor of a church with a bunch of programs, most of which they don't let me run or they wouldn't be pulled off correctly. <laughs> and, and certainly so grateful for curriculums and even, you know, recently published a, a discipleship resource I'm really excited about. But, but when I think about discipleship, I think about relationship. You know, the curriculum is a tool. Uh, the program may be the structure. But it was for me, and I, I tell this story in, in the first book I wrote, I was, I was 20, I think I was 28 years old, and the pastor of this church, before another individual man walked up to me and said, I want to disciple you. Now, I had wonderful organic discipleship, wonderful family, wonderful, I'm not in any way saying that all discipleship is that one-on-one -on -one mentoring or my make war meeting or, or the, the time I... The, the lady I meet for coffee every Tuesday morning in, in Graham's case. So I, I, I do want to come back to discipleship as it occurs in the day-to-day -day relationships of our lives. But there is something special to have a group of people of the same gender where I'm, I'm holding myself accountable. And at 28 years old, this man in our church, he had been a former pastor. His gift was not in the pulpit, but his gift was on one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And he was humble enough to realize that. So he's now a corporate chaplain and an incredible one. He's great with people one-on-one. -on -one. And he actually is a great teacher, but he just, the role of senior pastor, just that wasn't where God wanted him to be. And for a year, we met in Waffle House. And you used a word, Jared, I, I like. He knew me. I became known. And I, and I was not living in any uh, rebellious sin. I wasn't. But, but in every relationship I walked into, I'm expected to bring something. Mm -hmm. Because I'm the pastor, and that's fine. I'm not. I love my job. Love what I do. But it was it was a relief for me to go and know he had prepared for me. He was challenging me. We were sharing our quiet times and our devotions together, and I was fully known. That cannot happen in isolation. Right. Right. It just can't. Now, Graham, when you make that journey to say, "Okay, I'm going to dive into this Bible," and some mornings it's going to feel like 
the angels and Billy Graham are singing over mm-hmm. me. And some mornings I'm going to read and won't even be able to pronounce the names and wonder how I'm going to stay awake because I had a baby crying all night, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, were there women that came along in your journey, whether it be structured or unstructured, that just that encouraged you or their example inspired you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, all along the way, and specifically my mom and my sister. Mm. Um, my mom, she... She will drop everything that she's doing, and she has got to spend time in the Word. Mm. So um, definitely the two of them have been a huge encouragement to me, and I'm very blessed to have a wonderful group of friends that love the Lord. Um, You know, some of them are in our small group, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they hold me accountable as well. Did it change the mother-daughter, sister-sister relationship? Was there a depth added? Because I'm sure you fought with your sister when y'all were 12. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you and your mother butted heads some. Like, what has that done for your friendship with those two women that you're obviously deeply connected to by relation? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, it is it is a deeper relationship. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just something on the surface because it's something that we share that means so much to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it means a lot to know that both of them are praying for me and, you know, I can come to them with questions, whatever it may be. I know that they're spending time with the Lord, and I know that mm. you know, the answers are going to be, um, you know, led by what the Lord has to say, you know, not someone that, um, you know, isn't spending time in the Word. I know right. that, that the direction is going to be from Him. Yeah. When you begin with this group of men starting being fully known and then saturating your life with the Word of God seven days a week, Jared— Obviously, the first step was establishing the discipline. And then there's that intimidation factor that most men, even educated men, uh, men like yourself who are very successful professionally, you know, unfortunately for men, they go, well, my preacher knows the Bible. You know, I know a guy that works on my truck. And and this guy over here, that's who I called when I got a small engine issue. We we specialize. And so we put pastor, pastor knows the Bible, and he tells me what I need to know when that's not what the Word of God was intended to be. When those early years, when you first started experiencing the word daily, how did it, what was the first changes that came? What happened first? Well, f- fortunately, I, I had a structure to go with because, as um, we talked about earlier, sometimes you would read through and you, and you couldn't recall. <laughs> I, and I'm I'm, a, I'm not a great learner of anything, but um, so creating a discipline of you know writing it out, journaling, being able to really personalize it, go back and reflect on, you yeah. know, that really became some really personal moments with the Lord. Mm. And um, and it and it captivated me. And um, and so when you get amongst other brethren that are doing the exact same thing, you you have a natural respect for each other because you're seeing them be faithful. Yeah. You're being faithful. And and like Graham said, you're you're going to them for wisdom and counsel because you know they're not going to be taking an inside track other than what the truth of the scripture is. That's you know, right. You know, and so those are the people that you're you're leaning more on to because your own understanding, I mean, we we live in a world that we're so self-preserved to put ourselves in the best light. Mm. And scripture doesn't put any of us in a good light mm. outside of him. Right. That's right. And so um without the with the natural tendencies that we have, the whole accountability aspect really allowed there to be a thriving um, mm. moment um that created momentum, you know, you know, it's amazing. 
if, if you would ask me six years ago where I would be today, I wouldn't even be able to put it on the landscape. And mm. even two years ago, I wouldn't be able to put it on the landscape. But like I said, I just have, uh, what's amazing is personal God stories just started developing at a rate that were, sometimes you ask somebody a faith story and they go back in time. I can go back to next last week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where the word of God just becomes living and active and it's become living and active in you. Yeah. And you're able to share those moments. And to another believer that is struggling, they naturally want that. They're just wanting to know how can I get there? Because it doesn't seem to be ascertained by many that are in the church. I'm not saying our church, but the church no. as a whole, no, you're right. it just becomes a, uh, Hey, did you go to church on Sunday? Yeah. And then that's the last of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's the low-hanging fruit, and that's the goal. And so sad, yeah. it, it falls short of what we want for people. Yeah. So it's just, man, it's uh, it's it's an, it's an amazing unraveling of uh, who God is when you're in it daily. Yeah. So, Graham, talk about that as a wife and a mom. What kind of wife and mom would you be without the Word? Uh, well, um, I think that... I am impatient as a wife and a mom mm. now, mm. Um, but you know I can't. And you know, being you know, marriage is marriage isn't always easy. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone knows that. And um, you know, having children comes with its own struggles. And so, of course, you know that's going to push you to your limits. Mm-hmm. And um, but the the Bible and um, His Word it just helps you to carry that weight and to mm-hmm. just you know get through every single day. Mm. Why do you think with the pressure that young mothers like yourself are under, you know, you live in a world where people put on Instagram beautiful pictures of their pantry, which doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. uh, or their children are always gorgeous and everything's a photo op and they're chasing a moment. And I've seen women in their church, and I'm not talking about a woman who may have an extra measure of struggle with with self-worth. I mean, that's a struggle in some women and men's lives. I'm just talking about everyday women in our church who have this natural desire to be a faithful and good wife, to to be a mother that meets the needs of their children. Talk about how finding your identity in the Word depressurizes and frees you up to actually be what you need to be versus putting your own self-imposed pressure and picture of what you think the world wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is one thing that I've thought about so much over the past few, um, well, the past year is um, identity in Christ. And one thing that I want my girls, and I, pr- I pray every day that their identity would be in Christ mm-hmm. because I feel like we are living in a world where their ident- a woman's identity is in the perfect pantry or, mm-hmm. you know. Or her outward beauty. Right, right. And, um, yeah, I I want my girls to grow up knowing that they, they are a daughter of Christ first. And that does take pressure off of you because, mm. um, you know, it lets you just rest in Him. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there aren't the pressures to be everything that the world says that you have to be. Mm-hmm. When you think about that in men, something happened in you, Jared, into this six-year journey where you said, I, I, I not only have been changed, I want other men to experience that. Talk mm-hmm. about that, where you went from being the recipient of brotherhood to someone that said, I want to leverage my life to to bring to bring other men into this? Well, when sin captivates any individual, small, large sin, I mean, we, we 
sometimes, unfortunately, we categorize it yeah. as small and large. But um, our theme and make war is we make war against sin that we might love God and others well. Mm-hmm. So when you really fight against your own sin and you start experiencing victory in sin, what a natural pour out of this, and you don't realize this when you're in it, um, yeah. but a natural pour out of this, when you start experiencing the life abundantly, it's amazing that Jesus put that in the backside of the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come that you might have life abundantly. Mm-hmm. And he said that because it is literally two different lives. Um, so that life abundant, when you start experiencing that, the natural response in the believer is to say, I mean, I want someone else to experience yeah. that. I want to give it away. And um, it's such a great indicator. If there's a listener out there right now that's hearing this, I want to, it was one thing I was kind of really prompted to say is like a great spiritual indicator in you is how you're thoughtful of others mm. and how you're pursuing others and how mm. you're caring for others, you're loving others and how you're, you're mindful of their spiritual needs because um, that's the heart of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you're a follower of Jesus and you're calling yourself that, um, that's just a natural propensity that you're, you're falling into and you don't even realize that you're doing it, it becomes kind of missional in mm. your spirit. Mm. And you, you're prompted to call somebody. You're prompted to pray for somebody. You're yep. prompted to ask the tough question. And you're just realizing that you're just a conduit. You're just part of this kingdom act. And God's letting you be a participant in it. And you're like, wow, you know, he let me see that firsthand. And, uh, yeah, so you definitely, it, it becomes missional for others. For sure. I think about that in terms of I have, my oldest son has expressed a call to ministry. And he's, he's 19, uh, soon be 20, he's a sophomore. Uh, in and going to a local Christian college and studying Christian ministries, and certainly we're very, we're very proud of him. We we never press that on them. I I don't. I just want them to love Jesus. I don't care, plumber, preacher. It didn't make a difference to me. Now they do have to be gainfully employed, and they do have to take care of <laughs> daddy and mama once once we're old and decrepit. But um, when we, I'm watching God form in him a pastor's heart. Now he's got a law. Long way to go before he's ready to lead a ministry, whether it be a student ministry or adults, or maybe be a senior pastor. I don't know. But but when we hear people comment on that, they go, you know what? I've noticed he really cares about his friends. And while I appreciate that, shouldn't that be true of every young man and young woman in Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, we we tend to call out those Christians who are being good Christians. When the scripture says, if you see, you know, Paul said, as you see me follow Christ, emulate me. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, especially for men, we set the bar too low. We say, get to church, clean up your language, don't cheat on your wife, get your kids in Sunday school, and you're a good guy. And yet we know that kids raised in that environment, many of them within two to three generations walk away from the faith. Mm-hmm. From their, from, you know, when they're, when they're serious about that. As a mom, when you think about developing those habits in your girls, how old are they? They're two and four. Okay, so they're little bitty right now. Beautiful. So, so over time, they're going to first become literate. We're going to teach them to read. You are. I'm not. You're going to teach them to read. And, and then as you develop those habits in them, have you thought how that will happen how you will try to establish those? And is there anything you're doing now to sort of establish their appreciation for mommy's time in the Word of God? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I mean, they see me spending time in the Word. You know, when they wake up in the morning, they look over the 
um, the balcony, the steps, they see me spending time in the Word. Um, and, you know, there, there have been times that I've had a book out and they'll say, um, I want to see your Bible. And, you know, it's not a, the Bible, but they know that, you know, mommy if mommy's holding Bible. a book, it usually is. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so just setting that example, but also we read the Bible every night. We read a story in the Bible every mm. single night. Mm. And, I mean, it's great to read to your children, you know, every yes. day, but why not read the Bible, you know? Absolutely. Um, you and we also, um, my oldest one, she's, she doesn't really like to take naps anymore, but we'll say, you know, let's have some quiet time. And I, I learned that from a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And her kids were young, but they wouldn't have nap time, but they would have time in their room um, just alone and it was their quiet time and you know I'll say you know you can pray or you know talk to Jesus and they don't understand that but I feel like that's kind of laying the foundation yeah. for establishing establishing that habit right yeah. so when you think about men Jared you and I both are men we know the struggles of young men as you've begun to help young men make war you know there's two parts of battling sin one is of course is that idea of repenting and running away that joseph running from potiphar's wife we got to run right. the 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 problem that the church is uh, i think uh created at times is that we spend a lot of time telling people to run away but we don't tell them what to run to there you go and so as you've helped young men deal with pride anger lust how has helping them run to the word transformed their lives that you've seen? Well, it's young and old. It's not just young men we have. So. Yeah, we don't outgrow uh, these problems, do yeah, we? Yeah, we don't, unfortunately. Yeah, Graham being Jesus. a woman, she's like, yeah, y'all never really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we call it a say-do ratio. Uh, we, we really held guys in account for, hey, if you say something, we're going to hold you account to doing it. You know, mm. so, you know, even in casual conversations, like, hey, be careful. You just had a say-do right there. And like, oh, mm. I'm going to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we help them hold them accountable. And oftentimes people aren't held in account, right? Yeah. We like grace an awful lot. But in some ways, you can't have grace with sin. You can't have grace right. with character. You can't have grace. I mean, we're all going to fall short, but we don't, where's the fight, right? And so that's what we're trying to establish you know, in and of myself, and I'm the greatest participant on Make War as these classes go through. I'm, I'm glad that I'm a permanent student. In yeah, it. yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm definitely the beneficiary of it. But, you know, when guys just learn, like, hey, this guy's going to hold me accountable, and he's going to ask me the tough question. Now, they can easily lie. Well, sure. fortunately, we, we carry out the armaments of truth, or the armaments of God, and the very first one is the belt of truth. So that's the anchor point, or what we would call the foundation for all the other armaments to be activated well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, in carrying them this through the, the sado. So we, we learn how to deny certain things. We go through denials. We go through physical fitness routines that create fail points. So you start to feel like, hey, what's this feel like physically to get to this fail point and fight against it? And then mm-hmm. we start transforming it in, hey, in the spiritual life, it's the exact same way. You know, my favorite verse in the scriptures, and I, and I say this honestly, was First John 1, 9. I mean, I ran to that verse. I clung to that verse. Mm. And I still need that verse, but... Mm-hmm. It's like I've been, I'm getting exposed to a whole new world uh, of the scriptures mm. that I can activate myself in much more than the, the one nine passage. Yeah. So, and you know the fascinating thing when you do decide to leverage your life, whether you be a, a woman pouring in the lives of other women, a mother pouring in the lives of your children, a father doing the same, which I know your your children certainly follow the Lord as young adults, and it's exciting to see that. Um, you, you realize that once you stop making it about your own spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of others, there's a level of spiritual growth you experience that you otherwise would not have known. God has it rigged. 
He built us to give it away. And that's a great source of accountability. What were you going to say? Well, I just, the scripture comes to, he's able to do above and beyond what you can ask or think, right? Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, how many quote unquote believers, I, I don't mean to be quote unquote, I'm not calling people that are asking themselves to believers, but how many of them live in that? I mean, I'm in the I'm in the age where I grew up where, you know, it used to be Wednesday night testimonies. And yeah. uh, so we activate guys to say, hey, come back and testify. What's the Lord done this Tell week? me what and, God's doing. And, and no, and it, you just want to personalize this God because he yeah. so desires to be personal God to us. Mm. One of my biggest fears, and this is similar, this is uh, connecting it to the more than ever vision. Uh, you guys know this because you're members of Church of the Mill. Some of you listening to this podcast may, may not be a part or connected with our church. We, we certainly are so glad you're listening and we hope you're encouraged. But we're, we're, we're making that journey from being a large church centrally located to being a multi-site church. And being a multi-site church is not being done to drive any statistical goal. It's actually to re-release forced community, to to get church back to where people are living and to really maintain that intimacy that it's very hard to maintain when you get up into the twos and threes and 4,000 people. But um, the beauty of it is it's given me the opportunity to, to tell the church, I mean, the goal is for people to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the default of any woman like you, Graham, who's growing spiritually, she's going to pray for her lost neighbor. She's, she's going to invite her girlfriend at work who may be struggling to church. She's going to be at church. Mm-hmm. She's going to have her children at church. She's going to give. She's going to go on a mission trip. In other words, all the things we tend to chase after happen as uh, signs of the one thing we don't seem to chase as much, which is to get people to a point where we say, are you growing spiritually? Mm-hmm. And then and then getting them in, in the Word. If a woman was listening to this podcast, Graham, and she was discouraged, and maybe she's willing to be honest and say, you know what, I'm, I am not growing in my faith. Uh, what would you tell her to do? I would tell her to um, get an accountability partner, mm. um, to find someone else that can um, read her Bible with her. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you both, um, you know, I, I've done this before. I text my friend mm-hmm. um, either what I've read or, you know, what I've journaled or something like that. And then it, it holds it holds each other. You, you hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she... She think you know she knows that she needs to get hers to me, and I need you know I need to get mine to her, and mm-hmm. so um, you know it's something that we just agree on, and we know that we we both have times that we struggle to get it done, but um, yeah. I mean, so accountability, yes, accountability, which requires some humility, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I take a, I take a picture of my camp, which is uh, the uh, journaling method that 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 I use and highly recommend. I know the Lord used the camp model. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I I, uh, I, um, I text it to my accountability partner and my children every morning. Mm-hmm. And if I miss a morning or if I wake up and I'm, I'm running or whatever, one of my goals is before I go to bed, I'm, I'm going to make sure, you know, that I do that. So for the guy out there who is you seven years ago, and there is a mask that looks really good, but there's an inner man there who's not at a faith crisis. He believes in Christ, mm-hmm. but he's a shell of what he he knows Christ wants him to be. What, what would you tell him to do? Awesome verse, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right, you said it earlier, just a minute ago, um, humility. And it's uh, 
why the why the enemy fights that front so readily and 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 I think yet the the church holds some accountability with that because we don't yeah. know how to sometimes embrace someone that's in a struggle. Yeah. But here's the thing: every story, every life story reveals the need for a savior. Mm. And if people could just realize that, you would not want anyone to be in a stronghold if you knew they could come to the other side. Yeah. And if if they could just realize that that you're not going to be shamed, you're not going to be made fun of, you're going to be celebrated, you're going to be loved, you're going to yeah. be like, wow, I was there. And the more and more guys become open in that, everyone has the same story. It the story that reveals the need for a savior. Yeah. And um, man, when they can embrace that, they can instantly mm. or very nearly start becoming on mission for someone else. Yeah. And um, it's it's a life change. It's the yeah. gospel. It is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you said that because the, it. Unfortunately, we live in a, in, a, in a culture that equates the gospel with getting saved, and then spiritual growth is what really mature Christians do, and the rest of us are happy to cheer for them. Right. When you study the New Testament, Paul, John, Luke, Timothy, they would have had no concept of knowing the Lord and not walking with Him. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, that, yeah. that, that wouldn't have been a... They would not have understood that. They, they wouldn't have understood someone... Basically, and I think you you mentioned it, Jared, uh, when you ask them about their faith, they have to go back 30 years and tell you about a moment they got dipped in water in some church. I, I love moments. I love baptism. I've had the privilege of baptizing many, many people. But if the best thing you got is something that happened three decades ago, you know, that's not the gospel alive. You know, you, you came to Christ, as you said, I think you said fourth grade? Mm-hmm. As a fourth grader. Okay, but but just recently... Give me an example of how God has showed himself to be faithful in your life. Um, I mean, I would just say, well, this is several years ago, but it's in my marriage. Um, mm. You know, there were, I didn't get married until I was 32. And there mm. were there were days that um, I didn't think I would ever get married. And I had come to a place where um, I knew that God had a perfect plan for me. And if that was without marriage, then that was still his perfect plan. But, um, you know, every day I'm, I still just can't get over the fact that the Lord gave me a husband. And, mm. um, yeah, I mean, that's just just a miracle to yeah, me. Yeah, I hope Laurel feels that way. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I've, I've now decided you can mentor her. <laughs> so you see the faithfulness. Jared, how would you describe the faithfulness in God in your spiritual growth recently? Oh, wow. I am... Um, you know, through I talked about that little motorcycle business. Um, it's amazing. I get to talk to guys all over the country that will ship their carburetors in or they'll send the bikes in or whatever. And um, I don't know this guy two or three minutes, five minutes on the phone, and I'm telling him my story of like why mm. I'm doing what I'm doing, and a portion mm. of the proceeds goes to help others because yeah. of what Christ did in my life. And it's just amazing to me how I went for 37 years of never being known, finding so hard not to be known, yeah. to where now. It's on mission, and I and I get to encourage others. I get to pray for others, and yeah. uh, I just get story after story of guys saying, "Hey, thank you," or they'll, or they'll give, or they'll. I get to pray for going yeah. through cancer. I mean, it's just man, it's just like God can activate someone in His kingdom so readily if we just yield. You know? Yeah, you know the thing that the word that comes to my mind as you describe that is uh, you're free. There you go. Mm-hmm. Free, You're free. Indeed. Yeah. Free indeed, you know? Yeah. And that, that's the cool thing about spiritual growth. Were it not for the grace of Christ, I wouldn't even have the opportunity to grow because theologically, I, I would be dead spiritually. But upon being made alive in Christ, 
now I'm a new creation, and, and anything new and alive grows. There you go. When babies come, they grow, don't they, Graham? Yep. And they grow fast <laughs> and eat a lot and cost a lot, and, and then they end up adults, don't they, Jared? And they, they're still expensive. <laughs> and so the, the thing is, is that, you know, once you have it, you certainly want others to experience it. Thank you both for being willing to have yeah, this conversation absolutely. with yeah. me. Jared, I appreciate you and your ministry, what you've meant to our church, and Graham, you as well. I, I, I love the fact that I can talk about spiritual growth with church members who care about it as much, if not in different ways, more than even I can as a pastor, and we all need to do it. If you're listening to this podcast and it's been an encouragement to you, thank you. Do us a favor, like it, subscribe to it, maybe share it with a friend. I hope you've been encouraged. Maybe you're a part of another church. Maybe you are far from God right now. And this uh, this word from this brother and this sister has encouraged you. I don't know where you are, but you're never too far from the grace of God. And if you are a Christian who's been in a season, a rut, where you don't think you can grow or haven't grown spiritually, the first step, as Graham and Jared taught us today, is to admit that and then do something about it. Because what you'll find is when you begin to move toward the Lord, I promise you, He will move in you and towards you in ways you cannot imagine that are exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we can think, say, or imagine. If you are part of Church of the Mill, just remember that more than ever is about so much more than raising money or casting vision. It's about putting our church in the best possible position to see as many of our members be mature in Christ so that they make much of Him, so that we continue to be a deeply faithful Remarkably healthy, highly impactful, multi-site church. Until next time, I'm DJ Horton, your host and pastor of Church of the Mill. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll drop in and enjoy our content very soon. And if you live in the upstate, we'd love to see you at Church at the Mill. Have a great rest of your day.